Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I love that hymn. I was raised in a home where we sang a lot of hymns. Uh, my mom could play the piano. And so occasionally, especially for Lent and Advent in our home, we would gather around the piano and we would sing hymns. And we never liked dirges. I, I, I hate dirges. I, I just don't do dirges very well at all. I do hymns and life hymns and hymns that are filled with mission and, 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 and what it's all about. And I, I get a little um, dry in the throat when I sing that hymn because that was one of the favorites of our family. And uh, that's one that I know almost every word for. And as long as I can get the first measure and the first word, I can typically do the whole, the whole thing, the whole hymn. I like that. I like our Lutheran tradition of singing in hymnody I like it because it's rich and deep. It's not the church of what's happening now. It's the church of the disciples on the Sea of Galilee. It's the church of Peter in the first century. It's the church of the 500s when Christianity became the, the religion of the Roman Empire. It's the church of Martin Luther in 1575 or 1517. And it's the church of here and now. The words and the melodies are rich and deep. And there's something to be said for that. We live in a time where content is everywhere. You can pick the content. If you wanted to, you could go home and drop and drag and create your own worship service. You drop this hymn in, you take this praise song, you throw this preacher in, and you could do just about everything you needed to. There's content everywhere. And it's up to you with your wisdom and your insight and your mind to be able to figure out what content is good, better, and best for you begging a larger question of what or whom do you follow? From our text this morning from Luke chapter 5, the, the, the tail end of this, I, I, I love Simon Peter. When, when, when I read the Bible, I read the Gospels, I, I read Simon Peter in a special way because Peter, he, he always got it right and then he always got it wrong. He always got the star on his forehead and then he always got detention. He was that kind of a student. And Jesus is forever saying, Peter, you got this figured out. Peter, let's go. And then Peter puts his foot in his mouth. And over and over and over again, he does that. Here, Peter gets it right. Luke chapter 5, verses 8 through 10. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. So what are you following? What are you reading? What is a part of your, your life? Me, over the course of this pandemic time, I've got my websites that I look to and gather my news. Uh, my, my friend said to me one uh, about five years ago, I said, I'm, <laughs> I'm reading the register. And he goes, what are you reading a newspaper? What are you, a fossil? And since then, I very seldom touch a newspaper unless I'm in an airport. <laughs> what are you, a fossil? I used to get the register. My brother used to deliver the register. It was a big deal. But now I call my news out of websites. I pull them down. And I say, this is what I want. And this is the news that's aligned with my value system. And this is what I think. And, and I can grab it all down. And I can have it all emailed to me. What are you following? What are you listening to? What are you, 
What are you reading? Your social media, what, who do you follow? If you look at my Instagram, which I just kind of started doing, it consists of three things. Mountain biking, sports, and church. And it's kind of interesting how the content of that all works out. And you can follow thus and follow such. And, and all of a sudden something comes up and I go, that's just awesome. And then I'm like, how do they know that that's what I would want to see? And every so often for every mountain bike that every mountain biker that's up and over and jumps the ramp successfully, there's one or two that crash and burn. Just reminding me to be a little bit more careful. Our social media is one of those things that we follow. As a matter of fact, we say that I follow this, I follow that. And it's interesting to analyze and think a little bit about what we follow and what do we take into our mind and into our heart through our eyes and our ears. One of the things that I've become very aware of and, and enjoyed a lot is podcasting. Do you realize there's a Locked On Packers podcast that every morning at 12.01 it locks on and you can find out what's going on in your sleep out of Green Bay every day, 29 minutes. I follow Newt Gingrich. He has interesting people on there. All sorts of content being delivered, waiting for me when I wake up in the morning at 5.30. I can do thus and such and read and hear and think about and have and follow all of this information. All of this content is right there for me. And every morning I get two emails from two pastors who are experts. And sometimes I read the beginning of that email list that I'm on and delete it. And sometimes I draw it down and take it and send it to my staff. And sometimes I just hold on to it. We follow those things. We have access to more content than any time in the history of humanity. There is more stuff out there for you to follow than Peter, James, John ever thought about. What have you been following? And how's that going for you? In our elders meeting, we talk about this. One of my guys named Scott will say, hey, pastor, and how's that going for you? It's a marvelous clarifying question. If you were to ask Peter that day, how's it going for you? Peter would have said, it stinks. We fished all day, we fished all night, we got nothing. And you, Mr. Yehu, are telling us to put our nets in on the other side. The fish are all on the other side of our boat that's probably six or seven feet across. Seriously. How's it going for you? If we were to check in this morning, if I were to have an online survey, how are you doing? How is life going for you? We've gone way beyond 15 days to stop the spread. How are you doing? How is your mind? How is your soul? How is your body? How are your relationships? How is your family? How are the people you love the most and the best in the world? How are you as a complete whole person? How's life going for you? Your mental attitude, staying positive and hopeful how's your behavior in following what you follow have your behaviors changed over the last two years and you're kind of wondering what it's going to be like to get back to normal whatever normal may be and maybe the qualifier is how has your faith in jesus christ grown 
as we've been called to, to lean on our faith more and more, deeper and deeper, richer and richer, has that faith been there for you to fall back into the arms of Jesus and to push into the world with hope and courage and conviction? Those are the rhythms, the rhythms of the content that we take into our lives, that which we follow, lead us in our mental attitude, our behavior, and either strengthen or, or detract from our faith. This November, my wife and I are picked up from Pastor Mike the uh, trip for the church to uh, the Sea of Galilee and to Israel. It, it was a good exercise. I had to go get another passport, and I tried to look as mean as I possibly look can on my passport, just rrr, and so the person looks at me in the, in the thing, and they go, oh my God, letting some you know, criminal into our country, but we're excited to go. One of the places that I can't wait to stand is on the Sea of Galilee. I've never been there before, obviously. I wonder what it will be like to stand where Peter stood, to see where Jesus preached, to be a part of the geography and the topography of that beautiful place. I wonder what it was like that morning as a, as, as, as a guy began teaching and then he walked out to the two boats and he said, cast your net on the other side, there's lots more fish there. Because the disciples had their established rhythm of life. They fished, it's what they did, it was their living. They either caught fish or didn't catch fish. And sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. That's just the way it is. Then if they caught fish and they were fortunate, they sold their fish. They lived on the proceeds of their business. And like any good fisherman, they slept. That was the rhythm of their life. What's the rhythm of your life? And how has the last two years established the things you follow and the rhythms of life that you're experiencing now? One of my favorite people in the Bible, and I've shared with you any number of times, is St. Peter. I love St. Peter. I love his personality. I think at points he was so loud and so gregarious. Sometimes I think when we get to heaven, Peter's going to be playing pinochle or shopscop with the Lutherans, singing Lutheran hymns and having a bratwurst. He just seems to be that kind of guy. Read about Peter. Read through the Gospel of John and see what Jesus does to a big, tough fisherman. And how sometimes he lifts him up and encourages him and sometimes... He cuts his knees out from underneath him. Peter is characterized in the gospel as impetuous. He's always the first one to get it, the first one to speak. He's passionate. Never will I leave you, Lord. Everyone else will go, but not me. These other nudniks, they'll be out of here, but not me. The Lord Jesus took an, took an impetuous, passionate man in the youth of his life and used him to ignite the church throughout the world. Impetuous, passionate, and loud. I picture Peter as loud. John a little bit whispering into Jesus' ear and saying, this is good. But Peter saying, come on, come on. Stop talking about that cross. Stop talking about all this death and stuff. We got people following us. We're all over this, Jesus. And now you're saying you're gonna die. Yes, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block and a hindrance to me. 
and fickle. Remember Peter that night at the fire when the people came to him and they said, hey, you're one of those guys with Jesus. He says, no, I'm not. And another person walked said, yeah, you're one of those guys with Jesus. And he said, no, I'm not. There's no way. And finally someone said, absolutely, you sound like a Galilean. And he called down a curse upon himself. And his fickle nature crushed his heart that day. Until Jesus met him at the end of John's gospel in a boat by the lake and restored that fickle fisherman and called him to be a faithful fisher of people. Impetuous, passionate, loud, fickle, faithful, and at the end, leaving it all behind for Jesus. Interesting, isn't it? Peter didn't have an Apple phone, he didn't have an iPad, he didn't have a computer, but he had enough content to know where he was going and what he was all about. Perhaps that's because he saw Jesus in this text for exactly who, who Jesus was. When, when the fish are being pulled in and the boats are going down, Simon Peter falls at Jesus' feet and says, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. That morning he knew that something more was going on. That Jesus was something special. This wasn't just a normal guy yelling out from the shore of the lake. And that somehow the investment in Jesus would be worth it. As they probably had months of fish and months of income that they drug forward in those nets that morning. That he would be able to trade the investment of that fish for something bigger and grander. So Jesus calls him to follow. And the scripture says, and they left everything and followed him. Jesus calls us out of a distracted life, out of the rhythms that we're in right now, good rhythms and bad rhythms, to assess and think those through in a 20-minute sermon that, that, that gets you to think a little bit about where this is and where this is and where you're going. That's why gathering together on Sunday mornings, one morning a week, is probably the best investment of time you can possibly make. Because Jesus calls us out of distraction. And our focus is on Him. If you've been following along these weeks, Jesus has been checking off the Messiah list. Cast out evil spirit last week. Got it. Healed the sick. Raised the dead. You know, check, 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 check. And now after doing all of those things, he's ready to start gathering that army. He's going to gather these people together. And he's not starting in Jerusalem at the temple. And he's not starting in the Roman seat and gathering a politician. He's gathering people, fishermen. People who know what it's like to work hard and have a great catch. People who know what it's like to work hard and have nothing. He's calling fishermen. And in this text, the focus is on Jesus, on the miracle of the fish. And what we'll ultimately be focused on is his cross and his resurrection to draw all people out of the distraction of life and content and onto a singular focus of the good news of Jesus Christ and the love that God demonstrates through Jesus. Perhaps the most painful thing of this last two years is distraction. 
Just when we think we got it figured out, something else blows into the frame. So Jesus provides for us focus and clarity. Clarity of God's grace. One thing I never get sick of preaching is the grace of God for you in Jesus Christ. Peter denied the Lord three times, but it was again on the shore of the lake that, Jesus, that Peter, who'd gone back to fishing, sees the guy coming up like he did this day. And Peter, knowing it was the Lord and knowing he had denied him, came out and was at Jesus' feet again. And Jesus didn't look at him and say, you know what, I told you so. You're so dumb, you're so impetuous. I hate you, Peter. Jesus offers him grace. He offers him wholeness. He takes away the distraction of the sin and leaves with him the deposit of God's grace in his soul. And maybe a man who's been so broken as Peter was that day knows God's grace in a deeper, richer way because of the brokenness and the hurt he had in his heart and the healing that God's grace brought to him that day. God brings to you in Christ clarity of his grace that God regards you with the very best, that he loves you, that he wants the best for you. And that through all the voices that say, do this, that, and the other thing, it's that still small voice of Jesus that says, I love you. I love you. This text also brings clarity of God's mercy. There was any time in Peter's ministry that Jesus could have just thrown him off the boat. He could have said, Peter, I've had enough of you. You have gone strike 53, strike 56. Peter, you're fired. Peter, you're out. Peter, I've had enough. You, you talk too much. You never, you don't replay. You're, you're driving me nuts. Let's get out of here. And there are times in Jesus in his ministry, it would have been spot on for Jesus to say, you're out. But he shows Peter mercy. Instead of giving him what he deserves, he takes the thumb off of Peter and offers him forgiveness and offers him peace and offers him a relationship. One that formed Peter's mind and his heart and his behavior so powerfully that he was martyred for it. God's mercy is rich for you and me. We deserve to have God just put the thumb down and smoke us and yet God says I love you and I forgive you and I'd give anything to live with you and I'm at peace with you and so in the clarity of grace and the clarity of mercy comes the clarity of mission you will be fishers of people what a marvelous clarity that brought to Peter and those guys that day and having been called to follow Jesus every single one gave their lives in pursuit of that mission. Jesus, the focus. Jesus, the content. Jesus there on the beach that morning. And so we come back a little bit to those things. Having our mental attitude reset by the gospel 
In a world that's so loud, in a world that speaks so many languages and has so many voices, in a world that wants to clarify our speech in such a way that everything is correct all the time and people are not offended by what we say. The small little voice of Jesus says to us, I love you and I am with you. And our behaviors not shaped by the, the culture and the pressure of thus and such are our, our, our behaviors shaped by the word of God. As Peter's were, as the disciples were, as grandma and grandpa's were, as mom and dad's were. Shaped by God's word and his presence following Jesus. And finally, that idea that faith in Jesus Christ is inclusive the scripture says they dropped everything. They didn't drop this and put this in their pocket. They didn't keep a little fishing line in case something went crazy. They, they, he, he, he took all of them, heart, body, mind, behavior, the good things, the bad things, the impulsive things, the, the well thought out things. He took all of those things in them and he takes all of those things in you. Because shaped and molded by God's word, He calls you to fish for people and to draw his love and his grace to the people you know and love. And so we push to the end. I read a survey this week and I couldn't find it to put it on the slide. It said that over 70% of people are pretty much done with COVID across America, pretty much finished. I think I'm in that 70%. But there's been a cost that's gone along with that. And the cost is mental, physical, emotional fatigue. Seems to me our church is tired. Seems to me our society is tired. Seems to me the world is tired. And so those words at the end of this text become powerful words for us to think about as we kind of look for the end of the pandemic when miraculously all of the stuff will be lifted and we'll all be set free again. So Jesus tells us, as he told Peter, don't be afraid. Interesting that one of the comorbidities of, co comorbidities of COVID is and will continue to be fear and anxiety. But we who are Christians who follow Jesus are fearless. And when those little words of doubt keep in, we go back to Jesus, his hope, his promise. As we push to the end, we stay focused on fishing for people. One of the things Pastor Trevor and I are working on that we just love is we've, we've retooled our new member class. And we've had the opportunity to do that. It's been fun. It's all about looking at life through a Christian worldview. And I teach one way and I'm interactive and I'm kind of fun and I'd rather get through where people are at than the blanks and Pastor Trevor being a teacher. He likes to get through all the blanks. That's kind of how it works. So I'll get to the end of class. We'll say in uh, page four, the blank here, what was that? And then Pastor Trevor after class, they'll say, what did you mean by line four, blank three? We've stayed focused as a church on fishing for people. Our school has 732 students in it today. We opened up our preschool and filled it, Jake, in what, 10 minutes? Yeah. Fishing for people. My grandson signed up for preschool this week. Holy smokes. 
Stay focused on fishing for people and don't be lured away from that by all of the content in the whole world. Don't be afraid. Stay focused on people and leave the empty things behind. Don't fill your brain and your heart with garbage. The digital age has led, digital age has led us to say things like garbage in and garbage out. Until then, the words of Paul, Peter's contemporary, ring in my ears from Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, as it relates to content and what we follow and what we choose to see and hear and filter through our mind and heart. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace, and the God of peace will be with you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.